Hallelujah. That's my king. That's my king. Do you know him? That's my king. His name is Jesus. He's the reason we're here today. He's the reason that we clap and sing and shout and dance. Amen? He's the reason we celebrate Easter. Easter is about his death and his resurrection. Jesus died on a cross on Friday. Jesus took the keys of death and hell on Saturday. And on the third day, Jesus rose again. That's my king. Do you know him? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your presence here. I thank you, Lord, for, for being here. I, I thank you, Lord, for your son. I thank you for Easter. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the empty tomb. Hallelujah. God, I just pray that every person in this room, no matter where we're at with you, Lord, will respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, will respond to the good news of the empty tomb of Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I pray today we're going to go deeper, deeper in understanding of Easter, deeper in your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to just take us through Friday to Sunday. Is that okay? Let's talk about what Jesus did on Friday. See, on Friday, Jesus bore our sin. On Friday, Jesus took all of our sin with him to the cross. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Hallelujah. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took it all. Everybody say all. Jesus took it all. John 1.29 says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He paid the price. He paid a debt that we could never pay. This is why Jesus came. 1 Timothy 1 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9.26, He has come to do away with sin by offering himself. We were helpless and hopeless in our sin. Ephesians 5 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. How many of you has Jesus come just at the right time? Hallelujah. He rescued us. He redeemed us. Colossians 1.13 says, For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 1 Peter 1.18 and 19 talks about how we've been redeemed 
with the precious blood of the Lamb, the precious blood of Christ. How many of you know that it's the blood of Jesus that washes us clean? 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. Did you know that singing and raising your hands on Sunday morning doesn't make you clean? That serving in the church on the dream team, that doesn't make you clean. Making sandwiches to go to the streets and feed the homeless and the hungry, that doesn't make you clean. Did you know even baptismal waters don't make you clean? But it's the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us whiter than snow. Hallelujah. And that blood also makes us righteous. Second Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I like this translation. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins and then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. In Jesus, you're full of God's goodness. Without Jesus, you're full of something else. You're not full of sin in Jesus. You're full of God. You're full of God. Only Jesus can do that. That's my king. Do you know him? And because Jesus took our sin with him to the cross, because he washes us clean by the blood of Jesus, he also takes away our guilt and condemnation. Romans 8 says, therefore there is no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. 1 Corinthians 6 says, but now you have had every stain washed off. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Now you've been set apart as holy. Now you've been pronounced free from guilt in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and through the Spirit, Holy Spirit of our God. Colossians chapter 1 and 22 says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Some of you struggle to even look in the mirror because you feel so dirty, so unworthy. Please understand, that's not who you are in Jesus Christ. But in Jesus Christ, you're washed clean, you're blameless, and you're holy in God's eyes. That means when God sees you. He sees blameless. He sees holy. He sees washed clean. That when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son. See, really what Jesus did on Friday is he shut the mouth of the accuser. 
And Jesus became our advocate. First John 2 says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. There are, there, there's no truth in the accusation anymore because Jesus dealt with our sin. Amen. Jesus now pleads our case and he speaks on behalf of us to the Father. He says, it's okay. It's okay, Dad. He says, I know Kevin. I died for Kevin. I washed Kevin clean by the blood of the Lamb. says, okay, God, the, the accusations against Abigail are false. I know Abigail. I love Abigail. I removed her sin as far as east is from west. Hallelujah. Jesus says, God, I know Robin. I know Robin. She's holy and blameless. And she stands right before God because she is the righteousness of God in me. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus does for us. He's our advocate. Glory to God. How many of you know that Jesus didn't just bore our sin, but he also bore our shame? See, Jesus was rejected and he's beaten and he's mocked and he's spit on, but, but the real shame, the real shame, was the cross. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That Greek word there for even, it's to dramatize the point that Jesus lowered himself to such an extent that Jesus went so low that he even died to the death of a cross, the lowest the most humiliating, the most degrading, the most dishonoring method of execution and death in the ancient world was the cross. It was reserved for the worst criminals. It was designed to shame and tarnish the memory of the one dying. So why was Jesus on a cross? Jesus was not worthy of a cross. He was the unblemished lamb of God. He knew no sin. He only did what he saw his father doing. He loved perfectly. He served perfectly. He healed. He restored broken lives. Everyone he came in contact with, he showed them their value and their worth. He infused hope where there's no hope. So why would Jesus be worthy of a cross? It's because the cross was meant to shame Jesus. See, Jesus came to break 
the curse of the law, to break the power of sin and the punishment of sin and free us to live in grace and mercy. Amen? And that meant Jesus was absolutely was a threat to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day because all of their power and control came through the law. And so they needed to disgrace Jesus, his message, and anyone that might follow. So no, Jesus did not deserve the cross, but make no mistake about it. Jesus chose the cross. Isaiah 56 and 7, Jesus said, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Please understand, Jesus took all of your sin, and Jesus took all of your shame. He took all of it. He took the shame of a failed business. He took that shame. He took the shame of of financial bankruptcy. He took that shame too. He took the shame of a divorce. He took the shame of a parent's mistakes. He took the shame of a failed ministry. He took the shame of, from, from religious, legalistic, judgmental churches. He took that shame too. He took the shame of your past. He took the shame of continued failure in sin. He took the shame of rejection from a father or mother or friend. He took the shame of words meant for death. Those mean-spirited words that still echo in your ears. He took that shame. And he took the shame of abuse. That somehow you think it's your fault. Jesus took all of that shame with him to the cross. You don't have to suffer any longer from shame. You don't have to hide any longer from shame. Jesus is the only king. Listen, he's the only one that can take shame off of you. And he wants to make you lighter this morning. And he declares in the name of his son, shame off you. Shame off you. Shame off you. Shame off you. That's my king. Hallelujah. Do you know him? Do you know him? That's what Jesus did on Friday. On Saturday, Jesus went to hell. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? The lower earthly regions refers to Hades or Sheol. 
Hosea 13, 14 says, shall I ransom them? This is God. Shall I ransom them from the power of Sheol, the place of the dead? Shall I redeem them from death? O death, where are your thorns? O Sheol, where is your sting? How many of you remember that story in Luke chapter 16 about, about the rich man and Lazarus, right? And he describes in that story in Luke chapter 16 what happens to them when they died. He said, now it happened that the poor man died and his spirit was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom or paradise. And the rich man also died and was buried in Hades, the realm of the dead, being in torment, he looked up, this is the rich man, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom in paradise. This is paradise. See, before Jesus dies, all, all departing souls went to this place called Hades or Sheol. David prophetically writes about this place and his salvation a thousand years earlier in Psalm 49. Let's see what David says in Psalm 49. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol, the netherworld, the place of the dead. Death will be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning, and their form and beauty shall be for Sheol to consume, so that they have no dwelling on earth. But God will redeem my life from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Hallelujah. See, so, so Hades, Sheol, it was, divi it was divided into two separate places. One was for the righteous, called Abraham's bosom, also called paradise. What did Jesus say to the thief on the cross beside him? Today you're going to be with me in? Paradise, hallelujah. What did we just sing about this morning? Paradise has been flung wide open. The other place is for the unrighteous. It's called hell. And it's a place of torment. And now in 1 Peter chapter 3, we learn why Jesus went to this place. 1 Peter 3, 18 to 19 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but, a made, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. So Jesus went to Hades, he went to Sheol, and he made a proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. See, what we have to understand is all of the people that are in paradise, that are in, in, in this paradise side of hell, that they're still captives to sin and death. They couldn't be released until the penalty of their sin had been paid. God accepted them as righteous. He didn't count their sin against them because of their faith. But how many of you know the blood of the goats and the blood of the bulls, it didn't, it didn't blot out their transgressions, but it just covered their sin. Right? They, they couldn't become a new creation yet. So they couldn't become perfect because the perfect sacrifice had not yet come. Enter the champion. Enter my king. Hallelujah. 
The debt has now been paid. So Jesus, after he dies on Saturday, he goes into Hades and specifically goes to Abraham's bosom to paradise and he proclaimed the gospel. Hallelujah. He told them their debt has been paid and he led captivity captive. Glory to God. How many of you are captive in Jesus Christ? He emptied the paradise side of hell and took them to heaven. And Satan and death and the grave couldn't do anything about it. Couldn't do anything about it. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Colossians chapter 2 in verse 15 says, When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against sin, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. See, when you, when you read Bible commentaries of, of Colossians 2.15 and you really study that scripture, um, those Bible commentaries, they explain that this scripture actually alludes to the general's triumph. How many of you have ever heard of the general's triumph? So the general's triumph is when a general would, would win a battle and then he'd come home and he would don a crown of laurels, a crown of honor. And he'd put on a, a purple robe. And he'd take his four-horse chariot through the city streets. And tied to his chariot was, was the leader, was the general, was the king of the defeated army. Hallelujah. So that everyone... Everyone would know the victory was won. So that everyone would know the enemy was defeated. See, Jesus made a public example, a public spectacle of Satan on the cross by destroying the curse of the lie. He broke the power of sin and therefore broke Satan's power over us. He disarmed them by defeating sin and death. I wonder, on Saturday, when Jesus went and proclaimed the gospel, proclaimed to the imprisoned spirits, I wonder if he also made a public spectacle of his defeated enemy in his own kingdom. I wonder if Jesus rode his chariot. I wonder if Jesus exchanged that crown of thorns for that crown of laurels, that crown of honor. And he donned his purple royal robe, kingly robe, and he paraded Satan through the streets of hell, announcing to the entire kingdom of hell, the power of sin is broken. Death has been overcome. All the power of hell has been overwhelmed. Jesus holds the keys to sin and death and hell. Jesus has all authority and power. Jesus is the rock 
that his church is going to be built and the power of the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is the champion. Satan is defeated. Jesus is the champion. Woo! Hallelujah. That's my king. That's my king. That's my king. Don't mess with Jesus. Don't mess with Jesus. Do you know him? And then, on Easter Sunday, I hope we didn't, I hope we didn't use up all of our excitement because now I'm on Sunday. <laughs> on Easter Sunday, resurrection power fills the grave and blasts out of the tomb. The, the entire earth violently shook when this happened. The entire planet. Think about that power. Last week we talked about the power, resurrection power, knocking over some soldiers and raising up that boy in Mark chapter 12. Well, this resurrection power shook the entire planet. Are you with me? And then the stone was rolled away. And then five women came to the tomb and they wanted to bring some fresh spices for Jesus' body. This actually, I've researched this, this actually is the, is the first uh, Spice Girls. Um, no, I, I researched this. Mary Magdalene was posh spice because she had the expensive perfume. Um, but hey, it's in the Bible, people. i just like to invite the Holy Spirit back into the room. <laughs> so the women, they come to the tomb, and the tomb is open, and, and they enter the tomb, and all of a sudden, there are two angels. Their countenance is like lightning. Come on. They appear beside them, and they ask and declare my favorite thing. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen. Amen. Amen. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. See, this was the day that death died. This was the day death died. I used to be dead in my sin. Now I'm alive in Christ. These six people that got baptized, they used to be dead in their sin. Now they're alive in Christ. Hallelujah. How many of you used to be dead in your sin, and now you're alive in Christ? Glory to God. Glory to God. See, they tried to bring him low. 
but our Jesus was lifted high. They tried, they tried to disgrace him, but he was glorified. They tried to hold him in the grave, but on the third day, my king rose again. That's my king. That's my king. Do you know him? Do you know him? I want to ask you this morning, I told you who my king is. I want to ask you today, who's your king? To whom do you bow? To whom do you serve? To whom do you live for? Who do you put your hope in? Because there's only one king that takes away the sin of the world. There's only one king that frees us from guilt and shame. There's only one king that has power and authority over every devil. There's only one king that chose to die so that you could live. There's only one king that's conquered the grave and holds the keys to death and hell. There's only one king, only one king that gives you hope for the future and life everlasting. Jesus said in John 10, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In John chapter 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even if they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, salvation is found in no one else. I want to say that again. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Hallelujah. No other name. No other name but the name of Jesus. That's my king. Hallelujah. That's my king. I'm going to invite everyone to stand at this moment. We're going to do things a little different today. I'm going to invite the worship team forward at this time. And I'd also like to invite our prayer team, if you could assemble at the cross. What I'd like to do before we sing our last song here is celebrating Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give everyone in this room an opportunity to know my king. By show of hands, how many of you in this room, you already know my king? You already know Jesus. Wow, look at that. Look around. Hallelujah. You've already invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. I'm going to invite you uh, in a minute, if, if, you, if you have never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, but you'd like to know Jesus, you'd like to have relationship with Jesus, relationship with God the Father this morning, I'm going to invite you to come forward to our prayer team. And our prayer team is going to lead you in a prayer of salvation, lead you in a prayer to come into relationship with Jesus, okay? Please understand, though, please understand I'm not inviting you to come forward uh, for membership. <laughs> uh, this is not a church of God thing, okay? Um, I'm inviting you to come into relationship 
with the one who loves you the most. The one who loves you the most. And so just by show of hands, is there anyone here that would like to make a commitment, that would like to come to Jesus this morning and come into relationship with Jesus this morning? Just raise your hand and we'll invite you to come forward as we sing this last song. that tug in your spirit that's not that's not emotion that tug is the Holy Spirit that's Jesus he's calling you forward he's calling you to him today if there's anyone that would like to come to Jesus go ahead just raise your hand we can celebrate with you we can welcome you amen as we sing this last song Okay, we're going we're gonna to have one more chance here to celebrate and shout and praise God. Does that sound okay? As we sing this last song, if you'd like to come forward for, for prayer, for anything in prayer, our prayer team is standing by, okay? And so maybe you didn't want to come at that moment, but you're feeling that tug. You're feeling that tug. Come, come. And these people will love on you and help you come into relationship with Jesus. Amen. Let's worship him this morning.